And I thought like, oh man, if I only had something like that. But then I realized like, you know what? Let me just combine these kind of different ideas together and make a book about other real estate books. So it's the kind of book that I wish existed when I first started exploring different real estate asset classes. So what I did was I found the best books, what I thought in different aspects of real estate investing, and then kind of summarized them down to the meat and potatoes, just the best information from each book down to a chapter worth of material and kind of explained it in my own words. So that way you get, by reading my book, you read 20 some books about real estate investing and can explore the different things very quickly to decide which asset class is right for you. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, today I get to interview Matt Jones, and we're going to be talking about senior assisted living. Um, this is something that Matt is very passionate about because currently we're sort of meeting the demand, but in the coming five or 10 years, there's probably going to be a lot more demand for senior housing than we currently have. So if you're thinking about maybe a different asset class or a different way of investing, this might be the episode for you. Matt, thank you so, mo uh, so much for coming on. Matt, just by the way, is an author about, he wrote the book, uh, the book about real estate. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about that as well. So thank you for coming on. Take us into it. Like what got you into senior assisted living? Well, I have a background in group home management for people with disabilities and the operations are, are very similar to senior assisted living. And I think this is, like you mentioned, a great time to invest in uh, senior assisted living because we have what's uh, called a silver tsunami about to happen. The baby boomers are almost at the point where they need that extra level of care from a senior assisted living facilities. And, you know, they're not quite there, but, but getting there. And so the number of units uh, is not near what it needs to be to meet that demand. So I think anything that you buy right now and stabilize and operate it correctly is going to do quite well and be a cash cow over the coming years. And uh, yeah, so I, I just think it's a great space to be in. So let's talk a little bit about, and obviously everything we're about to say is not legal advice or, or anything. Check with your, you know, uh, professionals. But like what type of zoning generally are you guys looking for? Is it a commercial zoning? Is it a multifamily? What kind of zonings allow for senior assisted living? Yeah, it's it's similar to multifamily, but uh, you know, I guess the, the main thing you got to worry about is it's more operations heavy than multifamily. So, uh, you know, more important than the zoning, you got to think about the operations and running it correctly. It's, it's not like all, you know, multifamily, we can, you can just throw somebody into leasing and somebody in maintenance and, and call it a day. Uh, you have a lot more going on. Your, people's lives are in your hands. So you've got a lot of extra responsibility with that too. You can charge a lot more per unit with senior assisted living than multifamily, but there's a lot more that goes into it. So staffing is going to be your number one expense, uh, you, know, uh, you know, after the, the debt is paid, of course, with the mortgage. But uh, so you got to have proper management in place. I think that's really the key to all of this is having good management in place because they're going to attract and retain good uh, clients uh, as well as a good staff to be able to you know, make it profitable. So if you don't have good management, uh, it's going to go downhill pretty darn quickly. So in this type of thing, you're not really buying, you're not buying these for passive income, right? You're buying this because this is the type of business that you want to be in. Is that a fair well, I, I'm buying it for the income, certainly. I mean, I'm uh, while I have operations experience, I'm, I'm primarily passive right now. I might take a more active role in some of the properties that we own because it's a, I have a, a portfolio of properties right now. They're all kind of smaller places, like 12 to 30 beds, and kind of spread out, and uh, they're in rural areas, actually. Um, so we 
uh, you know, my group, we, we have a, a kind of a niche in those rural uh, senior systems because we're not competing with these big, you know, conglomerates in the city centers that are just like, you know, hundreds of beds all together. Um, rather, we find that there's people who grew up in rural areas. They don't want to have to, you know, grow to the big city for their elder care. They want to stay in rural areas with, you know, the culture that they know, people that they know. And so there's a good clientele base. Granted, it's harder to find staffing in rural areas. Uh, at the same time, the staff that you do find are going to stay for much longer because it's just a, a revolving door with staff in the cities. But um, uh, so, it, but overall, if as long as you can find good staffing and keep them, then uh, you can you can really make it quite profitable. So I, I'm in it for the money, but at the same time, it makes me feel good to be providing a good service for people who need and deserve it. So let's define rural. Like what size for you is rural? Uh, anywhere from like a, a 2,000 people to like 20,000 people, I, I would say, um, in a town. So very, very small towns. Mm -hmm. Yes. Do they have to have any proximity to any town that's bigger? Like, I mean, a lot of times people talk about secondary and tertiary markets where they're six, you know, 60 miles or 90 miles outside of a million person, anything like that, or just any town that's 2,000 to 20,000 people. Any town, um, but I mean, the more rural you go, certainly the property management and the staffing gets harder as a result. But uh, I mean, we have some that's close to the, the Twin Cities of Minnesota and then some that's, uh, you know, in rural Wisconsin as well. So it, it varies, I guess, on the uh, properties that we have like that. So let's talk about the buildings. Like, are you building these? Uh, are you buying land and building? Or are you buying existing buildings? What, what does the, what are you looking for as far as the structures that are on the property? So far, we're buying pre-existing. Uh, I do know people who develop them as well, but uh, uh, the ones that we have are pre-existing. We have redeveloped some of them into like memory care uh, to have that extra level of care beyond regular assisted living. But uh, so it, generally, it's um, it's like a really big house essentially. So you know, they might have like wings of like a, you know, a few bedrooms in one wing, a few bedrooms in another wing, but they all have like a central area, uh, like a living room in the air middle with a kitchen and that sort of thing um, to be able to make it efficiently run with the staffing and, and providing good service for the people too. You mentioned 12 bedrooms being your smallest. Is there a reason that it's 12? Uh, no, that's just how, how big. And it's uh, 12 beds. So it's not necessarily bedrooms because some people have uh, like share a room with uh, you know, maybe their spouse or, or maybe they're trying to save money by having a little cheaper rate by having a roommate. Um, but most of the people do have their own rooms. Okay. So, I mean, you could in theory buy something that's six or eight bedrooms and still make a go of it. Exactly. Exactly. And um, I mean, you could have like a, just a, a small place with four bedrooms and, or like, you know, be able to have four beds and have a go with that too. I mean, so there's, elder care in all sorts of living settings, but uh, the larger it is, the more efficient that it can be operated. You know, the staff in, in one branch can you know, kind of fill in in another, you know, that sort of thing. But uh, at the same time, we don't want to go too big. Um, so I don't think we would go much bigger than like 50 beds in a particular property. So because this is assisted living, if you have a couple, that still counts as two, right? Am I thinking about that accurately? A couple properties or a couple people? Like like uh, a married couple, as an example. Oh, yeah, yeah. So if it's a married couple in one bedroom, you still charge each person uh, rent, uh, but you're not 
uh, they get a little bit of a discount if they're sharing the room versus having their own bedroom. It's, you know, think of like uh, college dorms, you know, if you get your own bedroom, then you're charging, you're, you're paying a lot. But if you have a, a roommate, then you, you pay a little bit less, a little bit not less. half price, but a little bit less. Anyway. Yeah. So there's, there's obviously a little bit more for the owner, which has, you know, the use of the building is a little bit higher, but, but there is some savings. So let's talk a little bit about, um, is the rent of the property separated from the, the medical services or things that you're providing to these people? Yeah, there we do have it so you can break down depending upon what they need. Um, so there's you know the, the rent, and then if they need uh, extra level of care with the changing their their clothes or or, or briefs or, or you know lifting and, and that sort of thing. So so it uh, is kind of a sliding scale based on like what specific services that they they will need. Um, the more services that they're getting, the higher the, that they're getting charged for that. So kind of give us a breakdown of like, how should someone be thinking about this? Like, do you think about it like it's generally X amount more than whatever standard rents are? Or how do people think about the financials to know if it makes sense for them to go in this type of business? Well, like I said, it's operations heavy. So you really have to consider that. Um, and it, but it underwrites similar to multifamily in a, in a lot of respects, I would say, um, and the funding is pretty similar as well. But um, uh, so you got to have higher amount in, in uh, expenses essentially. But you you can charge like if the going rate for an apartment is like a thousand dollars in an area, you might be able to charge like five thousand dollars for the senior assisted living potentially. So it's quite a bit more. Again, it depends on what kind of services you're offering specifically and, and uh, what the going rate is. Um, but, uh, um, and we also like rural areas because that at the same time decreases expenses because you, you don't have to pay the staff as much per hour as you would in a city center. Yeah. Um, so I guess my, my biggest piece of advice if people are considering going into senior assisted living uh, and you don't have any experience in it, uh, don't do it alone. <laughs> Partner with somebody who is already experienced, already knows what the heck that they're doing with it, because it is a, a big, um, you know, thing to eat. You know, say, take on. Like, like you're not going to be able to figure it out on your own, and without making a ton of mistakes and, and potentially harming a lot of people in the process. So, uh, partner with people who are, are doing it well already, and you can do it also. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us, and let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. 
So let's talk about like, so, so sometimes when we talk about other business models, like private money lending, you know, there's like this caveat, like I do it, but I just would never do it in California or, you know, these types of things. When it comes to geo geography, uh, is there anywhere that doesn't really work or does this really work everywhere? I think it, it works everywhere, but you have to take in the local laws and regulations into account as well. Some states are going to be more friendly to operations and some are going to have a lot more regulatory compliance that you've got to adhere to. So if you're going to invest in one of those states, then just take that into consideration. Granted, it's harder to get into it and harder to operate, which means you have less competition uh, at the same time. But um, I would generally go with one of those more friendlier states. Um, but we, like I'm in the Midwest, and so a lot of our investors are in the Midwest, so we just happen to be doing more investing here. But uh, I'm, I'd be happy to buy anything anywhere across the United States, as long as it pencils out. And would you say like it's kind of the, the normal suspects? I mean, like typically your Midwest, the South, those types of things are going to be easier to operate. Your New York's, California's yes. are going to be much harder. Absolutely. I, I would say like New York and California are on the last list. I mean, if there's a great deal, I'm not going to say no to it in, in California or New York, but uh, the, the, we're not actively looking there. <laughs> right. I mean, someone would have to just bring it to you on a silver platter at, mm -hmm. at, at some fraction of a cost. Do you guys... Yeah. You talk about doing it with somebody. Do you guys partner with people that are doing this? Like if they already have the property and they're just kind of thinking about, hey, I'd like to do this, but I, I just, it'd be in way over my head to, to do it on my own. Well, what we're doing, uh, I mean, we partner with people. We take on passive investors, but, uh, um, and uh, the, the main person who's doing it has a lot of experience with senior assisted living as well. But um, uh, essentially we're buying from mom and pop shops, like people who just own a, you know, a property or a couple properties and, uh, then them operating it themselves for years and years and are just trying to get out. So we take these properties that maybe haven't been run the best, uh, rents are not up to market rate. Um, you know, occupancy is down that sort of thing. And then we know that we were able to turn it around. Um, so we're looking for properties like that and investors who, not necessarily want to actively do it with us, but we're looking for passive investors because we already have the active operation side uh, under control. Got it. And so I'm assuming these got to be single story buildings for the most part. Like, can you kind of talk yeah. a little bit about that? Like single story, like what are some just obvious, like this is not going to work? Yeah, exactly. Um, but, but like in the cities, you'll have like multi-story places with elevators and things like that. But in rural areas, there's more room. And so we're generally just looking for single story, you're right. Um, and so it might like, uh, I think I mentioned it, it has like one central area in the middle, but then branches uh, outwards. So depending on how big of a property is, it might have like longer branches that are, are leaning away from the, the center, but uh, they're all able to come together. Um, and some of our properties, uh, it's like multiple buildings within the same plot of land, but, uh, uh, it's all one story for the residents at least. Yeah. So that's interesting. So like I have a property that has three, essentially three separate, uh, buildings that people can live in. So like each one's not that big, but collectively that might work since they're all very, very close together. Yeah, potentially. And, you know, depending where it is as well, like if it's in a, a Northern climate and, you know, taking people in their wheelchairs through a blizzard from one building to another to be able to, for them to have lunch, uh, it, it might be a problem. So you just really got to consider where it is and um, 
and what like can you put a if you're in that kind of situation can you put like a covered uh, path along in between the buildings uh, uh, for the residents I'd like to throw out a little bit of a curveball here maybe you've been sure. asked this question maybe not what about leveraging mobile home parks for this purpose I would say that would be more of a um, you know 55 plus community type of play yeah. if you're gonna do that versus senior assisted living is where you know, people just need like act more care than, than what a 55 plus because people in a 55 plus community, which a, a mobile home, a nice mobile home park would work really well for that. People are generally pretty independent. Yeah. Um, but the assisted living people need help. Like maybe they need help eating or, or changing their clothes if they, they have an accident or, or bathing um, or, or getting up and out of bed, that sort of thing where you don't really need that extra level of care in a 55 plus community. So I wouldn't advise a mobile home community for a senior assisted living. Just because, I mean, if they need help right now because they've fallen or something's happened, there's just, there's a separation of houses and therefore it makes it harder. Yeah, it's going to be too spread out. Um, granted, you can put technologically, your te uh, technology things into place like you know, bad alarms or cameras or things like that to make that work better. But it, you're just, you're better off having a facility that is more suited to a senior assisted living uh, than a mobile home park would be. Yeah, totally. So like you've obviously through syndications invested in a number of different asset classes. So, like is the reason that you're so passionate about senior assisted living other than of course you've been in the operations, like do you find it to be a more profitable method than all the other methods you've you went into? Absolutely. I mean, granted, you can find great success in any asset class. Uh, just focus on that and, and really niche down and become the best sort of thing within that asset class. Um, so I, I wouldn't say like one asset class is best for everybody in the world, but I really like it. I really find it profitable and it is. But um, uh, if, if you're more interested in, in some other asset class, then do that and, and do it well. Um, so um, I, I couldn't tell people like it's the best thing in the world, uh, you know, for me certainly, but maybe not for you. So let's talk about the, the book. So what was your inspiration to write the book? Well, uh, I was reading the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss and, you know, his advice was to find something, uh, that can, um, uh, sort of make a future for yourself. And, and I was also reading, I was listening to Joe Fairless and his podcast. And, and uh, one of his books was just like a collection of his podcasts uh, in interviews. And I thought like, oh man, if I only had something like that, but then I realized like, you know what, let me just combine these kind of different ideas together and make a book about other real estate books. So it's the kind of book that I wish existed when I first started exploring different real estate asset classes. So what I did was I found the best books, what I thought in different aspects of real estate investing, and then kind of summarized them down to the meat and potatoes, just the best information from each book down to a chapter worth of material and kind of explained it in my own words. So that way you get, by reading my book, you read 20 some books about real estate investing and can explore the different things very quickly to decide which asset class is right for you. Yeah. It's a great index. How long did it take you to write? Uh, about a year. I mean, I was working, I had a W2 at the time. So I was like typing away on evenings and weekends and lunch breaks and that sort of thing. But, uh, the writing was okay, but the editing, oh man, if you ever write a book, the editing is much worse than the writing part. <laughs> it's grueling. 
fortunately and unfortunately, I think ChatGPT is going to maybe make that a lot easier. Uh, one could hope. Yes. Yeah, I suspect that as well. Yeah. And, and so you were working a W-2 and writing a book while learning all these things. Like, I mean, what did your schedule look like to accomplish all that? Um, I mean, I just worked. I, I think it helps to have a passion behind what you're working. And then you don't really care so much about the schedule because you're, you enjoy what you're doing. Uh, and, and you're like, wake up and you're like, oh, I, I got to keep doing what I was doing all right yesterday. I, I have more to do with this particular thing that I was working on uh, because you're excited about it. So if you're passionate about what you do, then I would say that the scheduling and timing doesn't matter because you're just hyper-focused on doing as much as you can while, with the time that you have versus binging Netflix or playing video games or whatever with your time. Yeah, 100%. Where do you see yourself heading in the next 12 to 18 months in your life and business? I mean, I can definitely see myself investing in more multifamily and senior assisted living. I'm um, just moved to Madison, Wisconsin. So I'm looking to build up a, a local uh, group of people here as well. So anybody here in uh, local to Madison, uh, reach out to me. I'm happy to connect and you know, talk about real estate. Awesome. Well, Matt, thank you so much for coming on and sharing about your life and your business. And I'm particularly about this, uh, you know, assisted living. That's pretty awesome. Like I've been having some conversations with people over the last year or so, and I've been very curious about it. So I really appreciate you coming on and sharing. Guys, write down something you learned. Maybe it's the fact that there is an asset class out there that maybe if you have a heart of service, especially towards older people, whether there's a passion there or maybe you have some experience in that sort of field that can help you leverage this asset class to make greater returns. Either way, write down something you learned from today's episode. Share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 